Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with Hall of Famer and a member of the legendary Big Red Machine, Tony Perez. There's his blooper pitch. There it is. That one is gone over everything. Perez, and now we have another one-run ball game in this World Series. And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. Today, our guest is one of my favorite all-time Reds. Sparky Anderson said he was the heart and soul of the Big Red Machine. In 2000, he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Perez. Doggy, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you, Brett. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's right. been a long time. It's been a long time. I, I yeah, talked no, to I, Eduardo more than you. Yeah, I know. I know. The last time I heard about you was like Eduardo went to Cuba and bring you some cigars. Remember? That's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I, I want to clear this up uh, for the audience out there listening to the Boone podcast. The name, <laughs> Do- the name Doggy, where did it originate? Who gave it to you? Oh, that was uh, my old my old friend, the late uh, Lee May. Lee, Lee May, May. Uh, who I played first base for Cincinnati and back in the seventies, and uh, he gave it to me. Okay, because I only know two doggies. I know Greg Maddox, they call Doggy, and the original right. Doggy, which is which is you. Uh, well, all right, I'm gonna, go ahead. Well, Lee, Lee gave it to me. We spent uh, time in, in Tampa, Florida, playing the playing in Trusero League. Um, and, you know, we played together. You know, like in Cincinnati, and, you know, the redhead in Trusero League. And, right. and Lee say, I look like a dog when I was hitting, <clears throat> you know, because I got a gum in my mouth, and I, I chew it hard. You know when I when I hitting and and then look like I gonna I gonna buy the pitcher. <laughs> he says uh, I look like a dog. Why well, he give me the big dog? The name, right? And then it, and then people just got it because when you came around in Cincinnati, when uh, when me and you became friends, when I was playing there, and you'd come back, uh, it was always hey, doggy's here. So it went from the big dog to doggy for a lot of a lot of your buddies call you that. Well, Pete come out with that one. Pete, Pete Rose come out with Doggy. He, he, you know, he called me the big dog. Well, big dog, was, I guess it was too long for him. And he come out, hey, Doggy, you know, more friendly, more, you know, like a little thing. And that was right. the, that's what the, uh, the Doggy come up. So well, two guys, any, two of my big friends. <laughs> well, anytime you get called the big dog or Doggy, I would say that's a positive thing. That's a pretty cool nickname to have. But I've been really interested, and and I've been excited that you're coming on uh, just because you have such an interesting, fascinating story from from way back. I want to go back. You were born in Cuba, and I just want to learn all about it and and growing up in Cuba, Cuba, and and I just want to hear about your childhood. Well, I I come up, I'm I'm raising a, a small town. It was a sugar Sugar factory. We made sugar. You know, there was down in the country, and uh, it was a small town, about, about three thousand people. 
live there. And we all work, you know, working on all year, but we only got about three and a half months. And we had the, you know, like you say, when do, do, we do the sugar, because you have to wait from the cane, the, the sugar cane, the, the cane raise up, and, and then you can cut it and, and bring it out and all that. You know, they got, they got them, uh, one of those three months, like, look like the cool months. Uh, you know, November, December, and February. Uh, that was that was the four months. Uh, uh, we do the uh, the factory working, and then the rest of the time, it was a dead. Like you know, like uh, the, that's what we call it. You know, the, the off the off days. Uh, it's not working only if for you get another work or something like that. But it was a good town. You know, I. I love it because we play baseball. You know, I play a lot of baseball. We don't play no too much basketball or anything else. We play baseball, and it's what I race in playing baseball. Yeah, and and uh, man, uh, there's some people that come from your city: Cookie Rojas, Preston Gomez. Uh, these are guys well, that, that go ahead. Yeah, they came from Cuba too. We're not from the you know, and different different province. You know that. Uh, uh, Preston Gomez came from Oriente. I, I raised in Camagüey, that's the province. And Cookie uh, was in Havana. You know, it was different, a little far away. But we all came from the same from the same country. Yes. And you sign, and tell me if this is true. You signed for two dollars and fifty cents with the Cincinnati <laughs> <Yeah>. Reds, <laughs> and and something, yeah, was, something in there about was, the Sugar was, Kings. <laughs> Yeah, that was with the, the visa to get out of the Cuba cost at the time. $2.50 It's what I, I came out with that, you know, because a lot of guys get, got a bonus baby and, and get a hundred $100,000 at that time, 20000 10000 whatever. And that's what I signed with. They, they give me a visa and I get out of Cuba. That's uh, it's what I say. That was my, my bonus. Wow. That's that's pretty awesome. And you go to uh, you go to AAA with the Reds, right? Right when you sign, and and I believe that was nineteen sixty. No, no, I'm sorry, no, no. I played. Oh, I played I'm wrong. Five years I blew in the it. Minor league. No, in nineteen sixty, I went to New York Penn League. You know, there was D-ball at the time. Right. You know, I know was a D-ball, B-ball, C-ball. You know. And then came out with triple A and A, double A, triple A. When I played triple A with Cincinnati, it was in San Diego, 1964. Okay. And, I came and, to the okay. minors. Yeah, I went to the, to the minors, yeah. See, that's why I said before we started down this road, this is a fascinating story. So in 64, you get called up right. to the big leagues for the first time. And it's it's not the, the stadium that I played at and, and later on in your career you played at. You started at Crosley Field. Right. In Crosley? Yes. There was a stadium in, in Cincinnati. Close to downtown Cincinnati. Yes. In 67, you kind of – your first few years in the big leagues that I was looking in, and you were kind of platooning. In 67, you get your shot is when you really break out. You had 26 right. homers driving 102 runs. Uh, you're an all-star. And what a great what a great opening, you know, coming out year for you. You're an all-star. 
You go to the All-Star game, you hit a homer off Catfish Hunter to win the game. Uh, right. Is, is this what happened in 67, correct? Right, correct. That's a 15-inning game at the time because I didn't come out in the game into the 10th inning. You know, Richie Allen, uh, Richie Allen at the time, Dick Allen, he was playing third base. He was the starting. You know, he played nine innings. And then I came up in the 10th inning, and then we played five more innings. We played five innings, you know, 15, the last three innings. And then I came up, my first time I faced him, the catfish, because uh, he pitched by three innings, and that game, he was the one, three or four innings. I don't remember if it was three or four, but he, he, he struck me out the first time. I never see him before. He, he got me the first time, and the second time, it, I know what, you know, I see some pitches and then I hit a home run and the first pitch he threw me. Well, that, that had to be an awesome thing. I never hit a homer in an All-Star game, let alone to win it. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, it was, it was the, that's why I'm personal. It was the greatest thing I did in baseball. I mean, I hit a lot of all the home runs and playoff and uh, World Series, but I think personal, I had, had to win a lot of games too, and, you know, during the season for the team, but to me, uh, he, uh, that 67 All Star game was the, the the best. It was the when people uh, get to know me because uh, you know All Star game is a lot of a lot of people. You know, play 15 innings that the most ever play in and uh, in All Star game and winning when my home run that was something uh, something great, great great about it. So then we move on and we get into those those famous years in Cincinnati and and we had Marty Brenneman on the podcast recently and he had a lot of really good things to say about Tony. I'll get to that a little bit later, but but from 1970 to 76, you guys go to four World Series. You end up winning two of them in 75 and 76 and and still to this day people are saying one of the greatest teams in the history of the game. You know, there's a, you know, they're all arguable and there's a lot of teams that come up on occasion and, and, and people make reference to that. But I think it's kind of uh, unanimous in the baseball world that those, those mid seventies Cincinnati Reds teams uh, were some of, some of the best of all time. Tell me about those years. Well, we dominate in the seventies. I mean, we got a great team. We got eight guys who go out there every day or almost every day and play. We knew how to play the game. We knew what kind of team we have. And a good manager is Sparky Anderson. And the thing was, we got a great defense. We got defense, offense. We got pitching. We had every, everything. We got a speed. We got power, and we can do it all. I mean, those guys, you can throw them over there, and Sparky knows that. He throw them across on the field, and we know sometimes we make mistakes. We're not we're humans, but we win games. And pitchers, and we turn the pitchers very well because they can have a better start and give out three or four or five runs, and – we know we got 19 to play, and we know we can come back, and we did a lot of time. Most of the time, we're coming back and beat you, no matter how many runs you have ahead of us. And defensively, we had the best defense at the middle. 
you can get. We got Johnny Bench on a plate. We got Bacon Section and CR Stop. And we have Joe Morgan, the second base, and Geronimo. She's a Geronimo in center field. That's the, the greatest mirror you can have on defense. Plus, we got on the corners, we have power. And on the outfield, too, speed and, and power. And with Joe Foster and Ken Griffey Sr., there was, I mean, that was great. There was a team everybody wanted to see. And every time we get to any city, any city uh, or in the National League, everybody knows when the Reds come to town because, you know, uh, we beat people. I mean, it's not, it's not what I can say. We, we people were scared us. No, they don't. It wasn't scared. They play us hard. The team play us hard, but we know no matter what happens, we can come back and beat you. That's, that's the kind of thing we used to have. And the pitching was great, too. We pitched, we had guys over there, you know, not 20 games with it, where we can, they, they give you a lot of innings. We got a good relievers. We got guys like Don Gullett and, and Billy Hand. And we got Pedro Borbon and Clay Carroll. And, and we got a lot of good people, got a good pitching, good pitching. Yeah, and I, and, and I remember those, Tony, those days, because that was my early childhood. I was just a little kid, but I was paying attention. And, and you'd play my uh, my dad at the time was on those Phillies teams. I, for right. me, I have such fond memories of that time in my life because I was all about all I wanted to do is play and then watch the game on TV that night. And I always remember the big red machine would come to town, the Dodgers of the 70s you know, had that great infield over there in L.A., uh, the We Are Family Pirates. I, re- I remember all those things about the mm-hmm. 70s, and it really brings right. back some cool memories uh, of my childhood. And I was talking to my dad the other day, and I told him, I said, uh, I'm going to have Tony on, on the podcast. He goes, oh, Tony, I love Tony. <laughs> tell him, give him my best. And I said, I wouldn't. He goes, let me tell you a story about Tony. He goes, Brett, that big red machine team was so good and he goes but you know what you hear about the bench and foster and and pete he goes but i'll tell you what when we go in before those series and you you know how we all do we all have a we have a meeting before each series we play and we go over the players and he goes and the guy would always come up is don't let that Perez guy beat you. And I thought that was pretty awesome. And he said, Tony was the guy, Brett. He goes, I didn't want him coming to the plate with them runners out there. And I said, I'll, I'll pass that on. But uh, I thought it was pretty cool coming from, from my dad to, to somebody he respected so much and, and comes from your generation of players. I thought that was pretty cool. So I wanted to pass that on for dad. Yeah, I know. I know. He told me sometimes. He told me about it. You know, like that we see each other. So well, he told me about it, and, uh, and I, I, I hear so many things, and uh, I hear what that, uh, you know, Christensen, one of the pitchers used to play for the Yeah, the Larry Phillies. Christensen. Larry Christensen. He got yeah. a history about me and your dad. Uh, he says uh, uh, he he tried to throw me a breaking ball one time, and, you know, with the game on the line, you know, on the game, and uh, and Booney say, and Booney came up. And say, ah, uh-uh. you don't want to throw, you don't want to throw a, a breaking board to. You want to throw a curveball, and and Booney said, no, 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 
do not you don't want to throw a curveball to the best breaking ball hitter in the game. And Tito say, no, no, I want to throw it. But he come back and they threw it. And I, I hit a ball on the, on the upper deck in Philadelphia. <laughs> and I, every time I see Larry, he told me that. He told everybody about it because he said, your daddy told him not to throw him. And he check him out. He said, no, no, no. And he threw it. And I hit it way, long way. I, I remember that. You know, and so uh, that's with respect, and I am hearing about your dad because he, he told, he he knows, he knows that he don't want that pitch. That he wanted all the thing because, like you say, he don't want us to beat him. I don't, and they don't want me to beat the team. The team, and, but that's a that's a very good compliment about it. You know, when you hear from some somebody like your dad, a catcher, a great one. So. You go through those years, and it's the Big Red Machine Day. We got Johnny Bench putting out his Johnny Bench batter up. And, and Pete, I, I still laugh. I see Pete doing those goofy commercials with, with Joe yeah. at second base. And I think at the time, this is when Joe goes and he's playing for uh, – it's either Joe's on the Phillies or Pete's on the Phillies because they both spent time there. You spent some time there as well. But after the 76 yeah, – after, after you win the second uh, World Series in 76 – you get traded to the Expos in 77. Right. What happened? What right. happened? Why do, Why are you leaving Cincinnati? I don't know. I guess I couldn't say no. No, I can't. You know, I don't want to go because I got the, the right to do it. So I don't want to go. But, you know, you don't want to be, you know, for the last two years, 75, 76, I didn't play uh, the whole season. I mean, so you check the record in there. So you check my times are bad. And the game I played that, that those two years, uh, I didn't play like uh, I used to play 158, even 160 games a year. I you know I didn't rest much, but those two years I missed a lot of games because when I came to spin training and and and, and 70, 75, Sparky told me because we got Dan Dreesen, you know he was a, a good. Player and a good first baseman, a good hitter, too. And he he's sitting there, you know, behind me for two, two or three or four years, almost. Because in '73 uh, we played the we played the Mets, and he was on the bench, and '70 and '74 too, and '75 and '76. He didn't play the, you know, he didn't play because he was behind me. He was doing pinch hitting and stuff like that, but. Spikey told me I got I have to give him Andreessen song a bat, you know, at least Hondi and song a bat. That's what I say. And, and you know, I was playing and one day Spikey say, "Hey, you're not playing the next three days," and stuff like that. I was swinging good. I I don't want to sit down. And then we we was on first place too. You know, we don't we don't they don't need me that much. But still, you know, I want to play. And in 76, uh, the same thing happened. And, you know, I wasn't happy about it. When, when you check in 70, 76, I, mean, I, I think I, I hit by 260-something. I never hit that much, uh, you know, lower in my career. Uh, I, it's, what I, it's what I did. I still drove in 90 runs, but I didn't, I didn't hit home runs and because I wasn't too happy about it. And when they... 
Mr. Hauser. Hauser was the GM, the general manager of the team. And after the 76 season, he told me, he called me in the office and say, Tony, if we get a trade, a right trade for us, we're going to trade you. And I say, well, okay, what, what, because you can help something, you still can play and you do that. He told me about how, how good I was, how good I was at the time. And I say, well, why you want to trade me? He say, and he said, you can help another team, you know, get better. I said, well, why are you going to trade me? I say, he said, because uh, we need, you know, breathing and, and we, you know, trying to get some, uh, some help. I say, okay. Uh, I say, well, if you trade me, trade me to, a, you know, to contender team. And he said, Tony, you can make a, a anything a contender. And I, I check my hair. I say, okay. And I left the, the office. And then I got traded. When they asked me, they called me and say, I got traded. I say, and not to the, uh, to the expos. I know Paul was a last thing. I mean, in the division, I, I, he never, you know, he never, he never do anything. And but I, but I feel so bad about it. I know I feel like I, I wasn't wanted, not for the city of Cincinnati or for any or for anything over there, but for the team. And I, and I accepted, and I went to Montreal. Well, that's what happened. That's what I accepted. So you went to Montreal in 77. Uh, you had stops in Boston and in Philly. And before it's all said and done, because you retired after the 86 season, you came back to Cincinnati. How was, how was that coming back? Well, it was great. It was great because uh, <clears throat> I know I wasn't in my last few years and uh, and I want to still playing because I feel like I can play and helping somebody. I wasn't playing every day in Philadelphia. Uh, we went to we went to the World Series. We lost. You know, I got there with Pete and Morgan, and we played. You know, we went to the World Series, and then they released us. They released me, and I went to and Cincinnati signed me, and I was going to come back and Cincinnati and finish my career there. That was great, and then when when Pete got the name manager, there was a you know I was so happy about it because you know I played for Pete, the one of my 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 good buddy, my friend, and the the one I started with in nineteen sixty, the same team in Geneva, in New York, Paris. That's what I met Pete, and um, and you know that was that was great, and, and then I finished my career there. That was uh, that was the best thing that happened to me, you know, to any player at the end of his career. And I was reading a few things about Tony Perez, and and I found an interesting note. It, at 44 years old, you hit a grand slam, and that was a record until maybe the oldest hitter to ever play, <laughs> Julio Franco, <laughs> broke it Julio years Franco. later. <laughs> he he broke it. And and this was the most interesting thing I saw. The last week of your career before you retired, you were player of the week in the National League. Player of the, yeah, that was right. I was player of the week. I said, well, that was it, you know, because I I, I, uh, I announced my retirement in, uh, you know, in September, I think, 
in September. And then I knew, you know, I didn't, I wasn't playing, but with people me in the game, you know, it, it, it made me start the last, uh, the last week of my career. I play a lot of games and I got a, a great week. And then I, they, they named me the, I got the MVP. <laughs> you know, that was great. That was, that was something, that was something I can, but you know what happened? They gave me a little, a, a trophy, a plaque. I think they gave me a plaque. I can, I can find it. I don't know what I, what it was because it was something I wanted. I wanted, I wanted to keep, but I don't know, maybe moving on sometime to Puerto Rico, to, to Miami. But it gotta be somewhere, somewhere, and I would find. <laughs> maybe, maybe Eduardo's got it. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> okay, so now yeah, we're gonna go on. Yeah, your... that was great. That was the greatest week of my career too. That's pretty cool going out on that note. And and then you start your Hall of Fame journey. What was that like? When you finally got the call, because they made you wait a little bit. And you finally yeah, got I that knew. call <laughs> and, and you got yeah. to go in. It just so happened that you got to go in the same year. Your skipper from the, from the big red machine, Sparky Anderson gets inducted in the same year. H- how was that when you right. finally got the call? Well, when I got the call, it was great. I was in Puerto Rico. I was with Eduardo and my, uh, my, my wife, Pituca, uh, in the house waiting to see if it happens. It's going to happen. A lot of people told me that it's going to be my year. And they say, well, as I think every year that I'd be waiting, it's going to be my year, but it never happened. And then when I got the call, there was, I mean, I when I got the call from a caller, I say, he say, Tony, uh, congratulations, you're a Hall of Famer. I say, my only answer was, are you sure? <laughs> he said, yeah, I'm sure you are, you're in the Hall of Fame. I say, okay, thank you. And then I told my wife that she was there. Eduardo went out to get some 23, and he had to call. We had to, my wife had to call him. <laughs> Never be any chicken. <laughs> but that was, a, a, we started jumping around and, you know, celebrating. That was, that, that was great. I mean, that was something I never, you never forget. You know, one thing, it take me nine years, but I made it. I made it, and it was great. Uh, you know, for any player who play a, a long career like I did, to a more than twenty years, that was that's something uh, uh, you can't forget. No way, no way. Great honor. And 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 the fact that you went in with Sparky, how was Sparky to play for, and what kind of a guy was Sparky were- Anderson? The pocket was great. I mean, he, he got over there, and uh, he know we got a uh, we got a good team. He came in the seventies before Joe Morgan, and Billy Ham, and Jeronimo. Jeronimo came to the to there. We we had to trade Lime and uh, um, and some other guys, you know, like Tommy Helms, and you know. But that was uh, uh, we got Morgan, we got more speed than Morgan and Jeronimo because we don't have it before. Uh, and, and great defense too through the middle. With, you know, with their concession on, uh, on the team, that was, uh, and Morgan and I mean, Bench and that mean we need, we need that. And, and that's what they got. Um, 
and then we got better. And Sparky in seventy in seventy two we we went to the World Series and uh, but Sparky was the guy who know what kind of team we have and he just put us out there and play and he take care of the pitching. We got the offense, the defense, we got like I told you before, we got he know he got every every guy in the and uh, the and the position know, know what to do and we know Hey guy, we know what to do to win ball games. That's 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 what the thing is. Spikey knows that, and they take care of the pitching. The pitching, they call him the, the uh, Captain Hook because he don't get the pitch too many times. He used to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> bring it in and bring it up. Yeah, the hook. They give you the hook uh, quick, and that's what that's that's what the Spikey the way he was. He let us play, and he take care of the pitching. You got the Hall of Fame. And and then I was looking at at all the other accolades you've acquired, all the other awards. You're in the Reds Hall of Fame, uh, Hispanic Heritage Hall of Fame, Caribbean Baseball Hall of Fame, Latina Baseball Hall of Fame, Cuban Sports Hall of Fame, and you've got a statue outside right. Great American Ballpark. That's a lot of awards, yeah, Tony. And, and you're, and, but yeah. you can't find that stupid player of the week, the last week of your career. But you got all these other ones. Well, I tell you what, I, I tell you what, the last week of the, my my baseball season, my career, I was MVP. You know, most valuable. I mean, the player of the week. I, I call him MVP for the player of the week, and. But the Guinness touch it was something great too. I mean, in having at the ballpark over there, uh, swinging and you know, that was a great day too. The great day uh, to me, to my family, to my kids, uh, my wife, uh, my friends, or the people in Cincinnati. I mean, because I love the people in Cincinnati, the fans and and whatever you know. Uh, everything in Cincinnati I love. I, I never forgot that thing. I never forgot the city. And, but, uh, you know, see that nostalgia out there, that's something, you know, it's great. I feel, I feel very, very nice, very good about it. Yeah, I couldn't imagine getting a higher honor. There's not too many people that have that statues. All right. So we just had Tino Martinez on the podcast. And Tino went on and on. Tino was on the 1988 uh, Olympic team when USA ended up winning the whole thing. And he talked about his time in Cuba. And it was fascinating to hear because a year later on the 89 team, and it wasn't an Olympic year, uh, I was on the USA team and we went to Cuba to play. Uh, it's a little different result than that gold medal year. We we got our butts whooped the next year, but uh, it, it was it was really interesting getting to see that part of the world that not too many people had the opportunity uh, to go and and explore. Still to this day, I tell my kids, I've been in Cuba. They're, no, Dad, you never been to Cuba. And I said, Yeah, <laughs> I've been to Cuba, but I remember a guy named Lenares there. And uh, he was a young player at the. Yeah, do you remember him, the third baseman? Yeah, the third baseman. Yeah, great, uh, good hitter, great hitter. Yeah, yeah I remember. I, I remember he going here, to. The, he was here in Miami a while ago. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, he never yeah. he never came over to the states. He never took a shot at. No, him. he, he never, was, No, he never came. Yeah, 
So uh, now I want to talk a little bit, too, about when you left Cuba for the first time in 1960. Uh, you, when was the next time you got to return home to see family and friends after after you signed uh, with the Cincinnati Reds as a kid? Well, I I went back in seven and 60 and 61 and 62. And I get off in 63 and I, I came back in 72. My father got sick, and uh, and I, you know, it was hard to get back to Cuba because they don't let you go back. Not Cuba, the United States don't let people from here going back there. They have problems, and then I'm, I'm, but I, I got a visa. I got a visa to to the to the team help me, and you know, and they give me a visa to go over there. I went to see my dad, you know. Um, and that was the last time I see him uh, before he, he passed away. Um, and there was, uh, you know, being out over there, you know, being out 10 years, 10 years, I had wait 10 years to go back. There was something uh, really, you see my mother and my family and my, uh, my sister, my brother, um, the whole family. Uh, you know, that was a great. I tried to give, go with my wife, but they don't let her get in. She didn't go. Um, and I was there alone. But I went to see it in, in 1972, and that was great because uh, I've seen then, and I spent, about, I spent, I think, about almost 20 days over there. Um, really, that was, uh, I, I, bring, I bring 20 suitcases with me. <laughs> they 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 think I was crazy, but I got him in. I got him in, and uh, and they let it stop, you know, souvenirs and stuff for them. But that was that was a great trip, and uh, a trip I never forget because of the, well, it was the last time I see my 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 father alive. You know? Then I come back. And I brought my sister, and my mother, and my sister over here and to Puerto Rico to the States, and they came back and see us and meet my family. And then Eduardo, Eduardo, my son Victor, they went back too, and they went back with me and my wife, and uh, we went a few times in the 80s and the 90s. And the last time I went to Cuba was in 2001 when I was a Hall of Fame. In 2000, I went back in 2001. And that was the last time I, I was in Cuba. Has it changed much for you from your childhood to when you came back and as uh, recently as 2001? Oh, yeah. A lot of change. A lot of change. It's not the same. Uh, you know, I, I, I almost didn't recognize my town, my hometown. You know, there was a different, lot of different people. And, you know, everything changed in Cuba. You know, you, you guys hear about it. So it's a different world at that. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent nowadays uh, coming out of Cuba. And I mean, well, it starts with, yeah. Yeah. And it starts with Chapman, uh, Yasiel Puig, uh, a Rosarina, who is the big star for Tampa Bay last year in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Cespedes, yes. Guriel, Solar, Abreu, the the MVP last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they got a lot of good players coming out. Yeah, guys that I played against, uh, the the Orlando brothers, Levon and Roberto. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get it. I couldn't yeah, right. get a hit off. I couldn't get a hit off those guys. They have my number. 
but uh, it, yeah, it's it's good. great. They're good teachers. Yeah, it's great to see, and it's great to see that the the Cuban talent is is getting a chance to thrive and 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 uh, be over here playing in the big leagues. Big leagues is better for it. Tony, I want to thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Um, and what we do here on the Boone Podcast at the end is the voice of the Boone Podcast, Dan Levy, comes in with a special question from the fans for our guest, Dan. Hello, guys. All right, Mr. Perez, this one comes from... Hi, Dan. How are you? <laughs> this one comes fine, from... Fine, fine. This one comes from James in the Bronx. What's it like to see your son play in the major leagues? Oh, that was great. I mean, you know, I, I really enjoy seeing Eduardo play. Uh, you know, when they play, started, when he signed down in the, uh, with, with the Angels and... You know, he came down on the first day, he hit a home run. The first game, he hit a home run. And that was great. I mean, you know, you know, you play a lot of years, but you see your son play, and that's a, a different feeling. You don't know what to do. You don't know what you want him to do. Um, and you're so proud of him. Uh, that's, that's, that's the way I feel when I see my first, the first time I see him in the big league. And then after that, I, I followed his his career around. That was that was great. And then when he played, you know, like when I was coaching uh, here, and I'm working for the Marlins, uh, and he played he play against us. Uh, I don't know what is he feeling. You know, a lot of people asking me, who you pulling for? And I say, well, uh, I just hope he do it right. He do okay. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a great, but that's a great feeling. I know, I know. Uh, I know Booney. I know Booney feel the same way when uh, when Brett and I, 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 I play and see him play in the big league. You know that, that was some, the same feeling. Very cool, Mister Perez. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We enjoyed it. Thank you, Dan. Mailbag. All right, Brett. You know that sound. It is time for the Brett Boone mailbag. Ready to roll? Ready to roll, Danny. All right, let me dig on in. All right, this one comes from Philip in San Fran. Brett, what is the best one-liner a heckler ever yelled at you that made you turn around and laugh? Oh, Philip. Uh, well, in my younger brazen days, I had a guy yell at me one time, and he said, I was at Yankee Stadium. I was on deck, and he said, hey, Boone. Well, I'll put it nice. I'll give you the PG PG version. Hey, Boone, big power hitter. I didn't know you were so short. Now, he might have thrown a few expletives in there. And, and my response to him was, turned around and I said, oh, yeah. You should see how tall I am when I stand on my wallet. <laughs> and I thought that was the greatest line of all time. But uh, no, I you know I I loved I loved uh, interacting with the fans and and I welcomed as long as you didn't cross that line and get real real personal uh, that was just a part of it for me and and most of the most of the the hecklers out there they were classy and they give you a hard time because they wanted they wanted to beat you 
But as long as they kept it above board, uh, I, I, I'd say bring it on. But uh, a lot of good ones, a lot of good ones. And a few, you know, you got to the point where people are leaving the stadium because they did cross that line. But for the most part, they, they're just, you know, they want you to lose and they want their team to win. All right. Thank you, Philip. Back to the mailbag we go. Brett, this one is from Big Ron in Houston. Brett, when you get a day off as a starter, what do you do during the game? Can you sit and relax and just be a fan, or do you have to stay locked in and ready to roll? Well, I've learned the hard way. Uh, Usually when you're a young player and you get a day off, uh, you're always – you got to be ready. Usually as an older player, uh, you'll have a lot more communication with – with the skipper. And I remember this one particular time in, in 2001, we're having a, a heck of a run. You know, we just ran off about 15 out of 18 and Lou Pinella came to me and he said, Booney, I'm, I'm going to give you a day off. You know, we kind of had the playoffs locked up and he wanted to start resting some of his main guys. And I said, Lou, I don't need a day off. I said, I feel great. He said, well, you played 40 or 50 in a row. I said, I don't care. I said, I want to, I don't want to have a day. Well, anyway, long story short, he ends up, uh, he ends up winning the argument and, and I take it a night off and it was in Cleveland. And, uh, he said, I'm going to tell you this right now, no matter what you are not playing, I want to put your mind at rest. You don't even have to have your spikes on, put your, put your shoes, just your, you can wear your sneakers. So I listened to him. I put them on, uh, we start the game off. And we're winning like 12 to two in the sixth inning. So I know for sure now I'm not going to have to play. And I'm just kind of dorking around on the bench. And all of a sudden the Cleveland Indians start coming back, coming back. This game, by the way, is on like uh, classic, classic games uh, of this comeback. Cleveland's coming back, coming back. They tie the game in the eighth. And I'm hiding on the bench. Because I feel Lou starting to look for me. And I'm kind of hiding, like, with my back up against the wall. And he walks down to me, throws his hands up in the air. He goes, son, I'm sorry. You got a hit. (laughs) And I went, you promised me no matter what. I run up, put my spikes on, come running back down. John Rocker's pitch, I'll never forget it. Uh, I go up there. Strike out on four pitches and uh, went home pissed. And we ended up losing the game. (laughs) So there's your answer. (laughs) Never trust when the skipper says you got a full day off. Well, I guess not. Well, thank you so much, Big Ron in Houston. There's your answer. And that was quite entertaining. That's going to do it for the Brett Boone Mailbag as well as the Bread Boom Podcast. We want to thank Tony Perez for jumping on. My name is Dan Levy. I'm the technical director and producer of the Boom Podcast. The executive producer of the Boom Podcast is Rich Herrera. All the digital content that goes into the Boom Podcast is provided by Liz Landry. So please share the Boom Podcast with neighbors, friends. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode of the show. And while you're at it, please give it a five-star rating and share your feelings about the Boom Podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to for the show. For all of us here on the Boom Podcast, my name is Dan Levy. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again soon. Take care, everyone.